a christmas dinner in the bay of biscay by anonymous this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org it was last christmas day the tablecloth was laid in the saloon of a male steamboat and the place was the bay of biscay we left southampton at noon on the twenty fourth of december eighteen seventy three and we were on our way to the brazils touching at corunia carwell and lisbon twelve hours before embarkation i had no more idea of spending christmas day in the bay of biscay than of sending up my plate for roast beef at the north pole in fact my bachelor friends without domestic ties were invited and had accepted the invitation and with them and my wife and little ones i intended to dine and spend the evening of the twenty-fifth in strict accordance with tradition and national taste the reality was very different we want you mr p to go to lisbon and madeira and to do there whatever is required to ensure the speedy transmission of our correspondence from the gold coast the mail steamer leaves southampton to-morrow at twelve these were my sudden and unchallengeable instructions and thus it was that i found myself sitting down to dinner in the midst of the bay of biscay at five o'clock on the twenty-fifth day of last december we were a melancholy party it was not the roughness of the sea or the motion of the ship there was not a bit of a swell on as smooth as landsman's heart could desire were the waters of that dreaded four hundred miles of open ocean between ushant and ortigol our boat was as steady as a castle there was no cause of discomfort on board indeed we should have been thankful for a little hardship our grievance i think was the delusive decoration of the saloon with holly the menu of roast turkey plum pudding and mince pies the hollow mockeries of an old english christmas dinner at home so well intended by steward and cook these things taunted us of the unlucky destiny which sent us into the middle of the lonely seas to spend our christmas night they set us picturing the dear family circles from which we had run away we took our places one and all without speaking a word the captain at the head of the table wore the pensive air of a family man two exploiters bound for the brazils had been toughened by hard experience but they were touched in a tender part at this moment of sitting down to christmas dinner in the midst of strangers on the desolate seas two engineers from yorkshire who had been cheerfulness itself till now were suddenly mute as fishes presently when the fish which we had just managed to taste was taken away and the turkey was being handed round a brazilian bound stranger made a desperate attempt to force a conversation thinking of the children i suppose said he to the captain haven't got any replied the captain with pensive gravity never was a failure more signal the well-meaning inquirer gave it up and again silence reigned supreme there was nothing to fix the attention upon but the slight creaking of the ship and the swaying of the glass-rack over the table the turkey would not go down for every one of us had a lump in the throat less digestible than anything the steward could give us 
when the few words which had been uttered had passed almost out of recollection and we were all mentally hundreds of miles away the captain added in the same serious and semi-tragical air i've got some little nephews and nieces though by way of explaining that he understood the tone of mind of his guests and was not altogether outside the range of sympathy it was just when the plum pudding made its appearance and when our young children should have been clapping their little hands round our tables that an awful discovery was made there were just thirteen of us at dinner darker grew and deeper the silence and the gloom but the subject was in a manner congenial here was dismal ground on which we could all meet the captain began to tell stories of what had occurred within his own experience and what his father before him had told of the events associated with the sitting down of that unlucky number at table more especially on a great day like this in the calendar such was the impression i honestly avow of those stories upon my mind that when some months afterwards i saw on the london newspaper placards wreck of a royal mail steamer i found myself saying ah that must be our unlucky boat i am glad to say my prevision was wrong but the lost vessel was one belonging to the same house my own poor little contribution to the melancholy batch of superstitious recollections was derived from an occasion when a dozen of us were dining at an hotel at bath and a thirteenth unexpectedly arrived a gentleman known and much esteemed by the twelve here comes the victim was the remark made as the thirteenth man sat down and within three months that thirteenth man was dead now i had never heard that the last arrival was necessarily the victim and i was endeavouring to remove any particularly pointed application of the narrative by the well-worn argument that out of a general company of thirteen middle-aged men it was not so very unlikely that one might die in the course of twelve months irrespective of the magic potency of fatal numbers but somehow my philosophy did not mend the matter after all the idea was not absolutely exhilarating that the chances might be in favour of at least one of this small party dying before christmas day eighteen seventy four pondering woefully on this point i glanced surreptitiously towards the seat which had been occupied by the guest who had been the thirteenth to sit down to this saloon dinner and the place was vacant the circumstances of the hour had been nearly enough for every one of us the story of the thirteenth finished the christmas dinner of eighteen seventy three for him he lived three days longer to my certain knowledge and i trust he is good for a far happier dinner on the twenty-fifth of this present month but it must be admitted that the odds on that mournful day were against him dinner was over but we could not say we had dined the pudding had been tasted for the sake of the children but we were glad when it was all over the passengers one by one slunk away almost unobserved to their berths no one made the attempt even to appear cheerful i believe i could have worked myself into a something resembling placid enjoyment of a cigar on deck with the genial irish doctor but just then as he told me we were steaming very near the spot where the london went down this was too much for one christmas day and i gave it up 
and went off like the rest to my cabin to mix up in dreams the thirteenth arrival at dinner the children and the wreck of the london it is astonishing how cheerful we all were next morning we had got over christmas day and had run through the bay and were ploughing along joyfully at the rate of twelve knots off the coast of spain not one of us on board i think would have exchanged places on that boxing day with those dyspeptic friends at home whose too cheerful spirits had so haunted us the day before we were braced up and renewed for the business full of interest and novelty that lay before most of us but if the fates will let me eat my christmas dinner at home in this current december i expect some sort of recompense in double merriment for that melancholy dinner hour in the bay of biscay on the twenty fifth of december eighteen seventy three end of a christmas dinner in the bay of biscay by anonymous